Hi guys, my name is Brantley Charles and I'm a realtor here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at 24 years old with almost six years of experience. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about how I was able to become a realtor at a young age and also how I was able to start investing at a young age successfully in the cryptocurrency world and the real estate sector as well as in the stock market. We're going to cover all of the entrepreneur ideas and go over them and see what is successful with me and could be successful with you guys as well. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and feel free to share with your friends and family. Thank you. Hey guys, uh, Brantley here, and I'm so excited to bring you guys episode four of this podcast. I did kind of drop off the face of the earth for a little bit. I had a ton of family stuff going on and a lot of business opportunities that came um, kind of out of nowhere and really just had to focus on, you know, doing, you know, being with family as well as just focusing on business. The podcast was something that I had kind of newly just started. And unfortunately, it didn't make the cut in terms of where I needed to be spending my time. And at the end of the day, time prioritization is the most important thing, or if not one of the most important things that you should do in your life. Uh, for this, you know, podcast episode, we're really just going to kind of go over, you know, what I've been doing over the last, you know, five, six months. So we're going to go over, you know, some life updates of me, uh, house sale and what I was able to uh, reap in terms of profits, uh, new investments that I got into, some real estate news as well as some crypto news, and then just a general market outlook um, and kind of getting this podcast really up and running again so we can kind of build the foundation kind of all over again in a way. So I'm looking forward to talking about uh, all these topics and I will see you here in just a second. All right, guys, so let's dive right in. So some life updates. What's been going on with me? Um, you know, back in December, I actually did sell my house. And I do believe I talked a little bit uh, about that on my last podcast. But kind of just a, a breakdown of how that went down is, you know, I had this big, beautiful house. And, you know, I didn't really want to uh, live alone in it. And just it didn't really make sense being about 24, 25 uh, at that time. Uh, when I was thinking about selling to really just be paying the money that I was paying for it. It was also on a side of town that I didn't really want to be in um, anymore. And the thing that actually kind of sucked about it is the HOA that I'm actually a part of um, or was a part of in the neighborhood did not allow rentals. And so uh, there that was in the documents when I had signed on the house, there was some speculation and a lot of HOAs, uh, especially in Texas, tend to sometimes have that in their uh, guidelines. Well, this neighborhood specifically is really, 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 really strict on it. And there's already been a couple cases of homeowners in the neighborhood going and leasing out their home and have gotten in big trouble, fined significantly and have eventually, eventually ended up in some sort of lawsuit with the HOA. Knowing that I didn't want to risk it whatsoever. So I decided what was my next best thing. I thought about possibly doing a cash out refinance, but the problem yet again was I couldn't rent the home out. So even if I did a cash out refinance, then I would be stuck with not only most likely a larger payment, but I mean, I would have cash on hand, but then again, I, it wouldn't complete the goal of allowing me to move uh, to a different side of town where I really wanted to be. 
So that was kind of the reason for the sale. And then I had some some family things that was going on uh, that I really just needed to uh, be a part of and just be there for the family. And so, you know, during that uh, period of time, I unfortunately, just had to kind of back away from the podcast a little bit. And I just had too much on my plate, but I'm really excited to kind of get going here again. Uh, but let's break down kind of the sale of my home. And again, I bought this when I was 21 years old. I actually, I think I closed on it when I was 20 and I, uh, it was November 9th of 2018. I closed on it and then I uh, would turn 21 November 25th. So yeah, I was 20 years old or maybe I was 21 going on 22. Either way, did is, doesn't really matter. Very young guy who bought a house, right? I bought this home for 240000 and was able to sell it for 355000 so I'm going to go over kind of uh, some things that I did beforehand. I, I did refinance the home once during the term um, of me owning it. So for the three, four years that I did have the house, I did refinance it. So if you don't know what a refinance is, basically, uh, I was when I closed on the house originally, my interest rate and the interest rates were at the time were at the kind of mid fours, high fours, and being a young person who um, yes, I had a great credit score and I had, you know, plenty of money, you know, coming through and, and great. But at that point in my life, I still had yet not bought a house just yet. I hadn't had enough credit line going, right? Because I mean, you can't get a credit card till you're 18 unless your parents really took care of you um, and did some tricks uh, to, you know, establish credit at a younger age, but still 18, 19, 20, 21, three years of having a credit card is usually is still it's not enough time for the banks to say, yeah, we'll let you have a you know $240,000 loan and you can buy a house. So my interest rate was a little bit higher, but that's okay. I think I, I was at a 4.5 or 4.65 or something like that. And then during um, COVID and everything, when I refinanced, rates had dropped down to almost like 2%, like 1.99, I think I remember seeing um, a billboard around my neighborhood saying that a lender could get you a 1.99 rate, which I thought was just so crazy. It's just wild. And it was true. I mean, it definitely was, there was people, you know, getting those rates. Um, but I ended up refinancing and I think I was able to lock in a 3.2% rate. So, you know, huge drop so that, you know, definitely helped me in terms of the the amount of cash I was having to put into the house in terms of my payment. It also helped in terms of how much interest um, that I'm having a, to pay over the life of the loan. But in that, when you refinance, you can do a few things. If you have positive equity in the home, which I did, you can actually roll over some of those closing costs, um, which is like how the loan officer makes his money, the title company fees and et cetera, et cetera. So that way, um, you don't have to come out with that cash out of pocket. So I went ahead and decided to do that. At the time when I refinanced, I only owed, again, I bought my home for 240. I had only, I think I only owed 200 and I want to say the 221 or 229, 229 is what I believe I owed. So basically I kind of just reset the clock. I rolled in about $8,000 in closing costs. Uh, into the loan. So, you know, it's pretty much like I bought my home for $240,000 again. Well, during that time period, um, COVID made this huge boom because again, interest rates shot down to like 1.99. So with that being said, anybody and everybody um, who made, 
you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year, was able to go buy a house uh, in that price range, two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand, even up to three hundred thousand in some cases. If they had a good enough down payment, you could get into a house. And so that caused a huge, 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 massive rush of people as well as investors, because at that point, your borrowing power is, you know, your, your purchasing power is extreme. Your borrowing power is really extreme. It's, it's cheap money in a, in a sense. It's very cheap money. Um, so that being said, it had this huge influx of buyers causing, you know, price and demand, home prices to just shoot through the roof almost overnight. Um, so, and this is exactly what we saw, you know, I never imagined, imagined four years, three, four years of owning that house that I would ever, I thought my end goal in five years of owning it, I would maybe sell it for 285, maybe 300 one day. And then I turned around and sold it for 355, which is absolutely insane. And the crazy thing is since December, when I closed on the house and now this is, we are April 11th. I'm sure I could probably get 375 for that house now if I still had it and held on to it. Now, at the end of the day, we can't be greedy. That's one thing I do preach about in this broadcast. There were some reasons for my sale. And at the end of the day, I came out on top. I was able to net $105,000 at 25 years old on my first real estate deal um, in terms of my personal portfolio. So with that being said, that's success there, right? I mean, that's just pure joy and success. But I will say there comes a challenge with making $105,000 at 25 years old uh, with your first major investment is one. And I, I really preach about it and will continue to preach about it in this podcast is, you know, making sure you save, save for the rainy day, um, as well as just really, you know, making sure that I went back to the basics of even like kind of like that Dave Ramsey style, making sure I took care of the things that I need to take care of in terms of any short-term debt that I had, making sure I get it wiped off the table and, you know, not going out and just blowing it on stupid stuff, right? Because you don't want to do that. You want to invest smart, take care of the things that you need to save for the rainy day. Uh, and again, invest smart. So going back to the basics and I really made sure that that's exactly what I did. And there was times, you no, know, don't get me wrong, that I really wanted to just walk into, you know, I really love motorcycles. There was a lot of times where I wanted to walk in and just, you know, ride out, just buy a, buy a bike in cash. But uh, it wasn't that I couldn't do that. It's not that I still can't do that today. It's more of, is that the correct purchase that I should be spending this money on? And that answer right now for me is no. And there's going to be a time and place when I complete the, um, the route that I want to go with and how I want to not only invest this money, but, you know, take my income as well and invest to build this passive stream of income. And once that is, you know, going, then, you know, I can start diving into the fun stuff. And don't get me wrong. I definitely, you know, have a lot of fun uh, with my friends. We do you know crazy things that go on vacations. There's a lot of fun that I do have, but that's just one thing that sometimes, you know, going back and going back to the basics, is this, the right purchase that I should be making right now? Do I really need to go spend 15, 10 to $15,000 on a motorcycle when I can take that 10 or $15,000 invested into a business, invest it here, and then in six months to a year, that investment will pay for the motorcycle itself? That's how I think. And if you can think like that, you will become successful and you will become rich. Um, but on to the kind of our next topic here is some new investments. You know, um, 
I did uh, expand my Bitcoin mining operation a little bit with uh, a few partners. So uh, right now we have about 10 3080s uh, mining and I have about 10 3060 Ti's. Also, they're just working around the clock, making that passive income. So it is a great passive income stream. You know, of course, it does fluctuate quite a bit. I have had to become a little bit more hands on, especially with the crypto market being so volatile right now. I mean, Bitcoin, you know, is going all the way up to like 55,000. All of a sudden it's back to like 37,000 and it just keeps on going back and forth. So what I have been doing was just really just stacking a lot of the Ethereum that I'm mining and just continuing to increase that portfolio. But what I realized is that sometimes I was losing money and could be making you know more money if I was just a little bit more hands-on with it by going in there, setting up you know some trade alerts, setting up some trades. So that way, you know, if it happened to have a 10, 15% day, then at least I made a trade and cashed out some of that and was able to put it into like Aave and actually stake the coin and in a stable coin of some sort. So yes, I'm still of course stacking my Ethereum. I believe in Ethereum long term. I believe in Bitcoin long term. But uh, again, if you are in the mining world, make sure you do pull some of your investment and actually, you know, diversify your portfolio because, you know, worst case scenario, if, you know, Bitcoin, like the last few days, today's, you know, March 11th or April 11th, you know, Bitcoin has had like, you know, it's down like almost 15% in the last like week or something like that. So uh, it can go both ways very, very quickly. So make sure, you know, if you can be a little bit more hands on uh, with your passive income, then, you know, do it and, you know, uh, I keep track of my value, my what I'm currently staking, what current trades are open, what my goals are for those trades. Are they closed? Were they successful? My trading strategy. If you start to keep track with that and actually start to see, okay, you know, um, I had XYZ coin and it, I was shooting for a 20% gain and I, I hit it and I made, you know, another $30, $40 on my passive income stream that I'm, you know, then re putting into another passive income stream by, you know, putting it into the, the staking or something like that, or even cashing it out. Then you just, you know, made a hundred percent return on, you know, the, the coin that you mined, And that's what we're looking for. So I started getting a little bit more hands-on with it. And I, I really have enjoyed seeing the uh, account values continually, continually to steady, steadily rise uh, every single day as well as uh, week by week and month by month. Um, but onwards to the big, the big new investment. This one I'm ecstatic to tell you guys about. It is a new adventure. I've never done something, any, anything like this. Well, I kind of have. I, I In the past, I have a, an apparel company that I started back in 2018, 2019-ish. And it was a uh, brand called Scars Apparel, which is very you know near and dear to my heart, and it's a, a company that recognizes uh, suicide prevention um, and just going through you know kind of the emotions of that and you know being able to kind of give back to the community. Uh, we did a run on sweatshirts and some workout shorts, and that was something that I love to build. You know that was completely from scratch. I learned a ton about you know, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, YouTube advertising, building click funnels, building sales funnels, and actually executing them and actually seeing them work, what works and what doesn't work, you know, also, you know, how to build, you know, nice ad images and all that stuff, because I was it was a one man show. And I was able to do, you know, 
I was able to keep the company profitable. I was also make some, you know, make some money on it and it was great and it was a great learning experience. So I had a little bit of knowledge in the online e-commerce world. So, you know, I ended up uh, scars apparel kind of got set to the back burner. Uh, the, especially with 2020 with COVID and everything that hit, it was really hard to get the manufacturer that was making my stuff in China to actually um, give me a deal that was actually worth me ordering the product because, you know, that goes into it. Uh, I have to calculate how much, you know, time and, and money I'm actually going to spend on advertising as well as shipping costs and, and all those kind of uh, things. And so the, the, the inventory supply chain was also really low in the United States for the, the type of clothes that I was selling. So it was just really hard to get a hold of some of the stuff. And, and being a small company at the time, I didn't have enough uh, rank or punch to really uh, get out there and get in front of, you know, a big, big factory, you know, for example, you know, I was only making, you know, 100 to 200 items at a time and paying for them rather than, you know, you know, you got these big Nike companies that'll make a million t shirts and you know, and they'll write a check overnight, right. So they got set on the back burner, but something that I do uh, want to bring to, you know, the center of the stove eventually, and there's a plan here. And this is the start to that plan. So I actually invested in bought my first ever franchise and it's an e-commerce uh, style franchise. So it's, I wouldn't call it a true franchise. Like it's a hard location. Um, or I bought a necessarily like a, a, a company and things like that. I pretty much in a, in a sense, I call it a franchise cause it, it is a franchise, but I bought pretty much a team of people that are going to build an e-commerce platform via Amazon sales and build out that. And I'm going to talk about how, what my initial investment is, when I'm going to ROI, when the cash, what, the, what does the cash flow look like and what's kind of my end goal. And I'll kind of talk about how I'm going to wrap Scars Apparel into it. Actually the brand that I truly, that's near and dear to my heart to actually get it out there. So, um, you know, this was again, a huge business deal for me. Most of all of my business, actually all of my business deals for sure have already been, or have been with family, uh, friends, or, you know, friends of family. So knowing your sphere, especially when you're investing, you know, sometimes five, 10 or any, any sort of dollar value for that matter. But, you know, even the bigger ones, if you know your sphere, like you actually know them, you can go knock on their door. It makes it a lot less stressful. Um, and a, a lot less worrisome in most occasions. Now, obviously, if you have some weird family members that you can't really trust or weird friends you can't really trust, then, you know, obviously you don't want to be bringing them to a business deal anyway. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, at least it makes it easier when you're dealing with family, friends of family and, and things of that nature uh, and doing deals with. This, however, was a, something that I was exposed to um, online, I had a referral that also went through this company. Um, and so I was, you know, excited about it. I met with them and over a three week time period of continuous zoom meetings, um, FaceTime calls, chatting through, um, their messaging system and talking to them, like, you know, about everything, right? Any information that I could get, I was trying to figure out, is this, you know, is this real, right? And, you know, luckily it's been amazing. I've had nothing but good things to say so far. Uh, but the biggest thing is, is that, 
it was nerve wracking. It was uh, my initial investment was $30,000. So we're not talking just a couple hundred bucks or even a couple thousand dollars. We're talking $30,000 I wired over to this company after three weeks of negotiations and talking. Um, and inside of all of that, you know, I also did my own research on the company, their uh, CEO, their CFO, their COO. You know, I really dove in, made sure that, you know, everything was uh, squeaky clean. So I have no complaints so far. Their, um, their team that has been onboarding me for the last like two weeks now has been amazing to deal with updates on something every single day. The only thing that sucks is that uh, the LLC that I'm actually utilizing, um, I guess for some reason, somehow I uh, had messed something up in my paperwork with the state. So they had like close the status of it down. So I had to like reopen it up. Um, and actually I have to go get my resale certificate now. And like, it's still in the process of getting opened up, which should be done by actually like Wednesday of this week. So once that's done, my resale certificate takes like another two weeks to come in. So we're kind of just in this delay of getting stuff from the state right now, which is totally not their fault, totally on, on my fault side. And I should have just realized that um, or used a different LLC from the get go. But nonetheless, we had a $30,000 investment uh, was a little nerve wracking. But the more and more I sat there and thought about it, the more I realized that I am making an investment that is not only going to pay off, but it's going to allow me to do so much more with my life in terms of freedom than I have ever been used to. So uh, we'll talk about how that, you know, some of the, the, the perks of doing this. Uh, but my ROI time is about nine to 11 months uh, to make my initial $30,000 investment back. Uh, my cash flow. Uh, so this part's a little weird. Um, I can't go into too much detail, but pretty much. Uh, I first, you know, zero to three months, I'm only going to be making about two to $500 in terms of cash flow of actually what I'm netting. So gross sales wise, we're going to be doing about 30,000 in sales a month. But our kind of our goal is, is to sell product really cheap. Um, you know, basically discounting the product heavily. So that way we're able to expand the business profile on Amazon and actually, you know, get reviews, let Amazon know as well that, hey, we can fulfill orders that we're a legit business um, and, you know, get that, uh, you know, the the look of the company up. So that way, when Amazon actually starts categorizing these companies, when you look for a pair of socks or some underwear or a hat, right, whatever we're going to be selling at that time, uh, then you will get, I will get ranked higher, right? So that's kind of our goal for the first three months is to build the account reputation up so that way we can get um, just, you know, the account reputation up. Then month four is really start when start, things start to change is when I will start netting around a thousand to $1,200 a month and it only will grow from there. Now through this process as well, we have a business or I have a business uh, American Express gold card that I will be using to carry the cost of the goods. So when you actually go place an order and I, you know, buy the product or pre buy the product, whatever that will have, you know, that I will be basically utilizing my credit line to hold the product. And then when you buy it, then I pay the card off. This also allows me to rack up a crap ton of, uh, 
um, airline miles. So with that being said, I'm going to be able to travel so much over the next, you know, year, two years or pretty much forever, as long as I keep this business um, and their projections are right, of course. So again, our first three months, we'll do about 30,000 in sales a month. So that's three, six, nine, that's $90,000 in total uh, gross sales. And then months four through about seven, we'll do about, and again, this also kind of depends on how American Express increases the amount of credit line that I have, which will also make my gross sales more. So I can only play with about 20,000, 25,000 a month. So with that being said, I got about 50 or so grand that I can play with, or I'm sorry, I can only play with about 15,000 every two weeks. So about have 30 grand for a little bit. And then once American Express continues to elevate my profile, I'll be able to, you know, basically, essentially, you know, utilize a bigger credit line. So that will also help out. And by month four through seven, we should be doing about 40 to 50,000 in gross sales. Months uh, seven through nine, we should be doing about 60 to 70,000 uh, in monthly sales. And then from then on, you know, 100,000 to, you know, 150,000, and it's going to continue to increase. Each month, that goes by, I should also start to see my ROI increase as well in terms of the actual monthly ROI that I'm receiving, not just my uh, ROI and my initial investment. So with that being said, like the first, you know, three months, like I said, is two to $500, but by month nine, we should be making, you know, five to $6,000 and that's what I will be netting. And so, you know, what's my end goal here? And, you know, when you start, a company or a franchise or anything for that matter, you need to be thinking about what your what your goals are and ultimately what's your end goal with, uh, you know, the, the company. So, you know, again, I have a near and dear uh, thing with, you know, Scars Apparel, and I really want to bring that to light. I think it's a great brand. I think it has great potential. I think we have some great designs that I've designed over the years of, of having it that I want to put out there. Um, so, Phase two of this is actually going to Walmart and actually start to sell product in Walmart. Once I get to Walmart, I will be doing their online sales business, kind of like pretty much Amazon, but it's just Walmart. Um, but then once you're with Walmart for so long and you're actually doing and, you know, making business and Walmart's obviously making a cut too, eventually they're like, hey, we're actually going to put your product in store. So at that point, Somewhere along the line, I'm going to actually introduce my brand so that way I can be profitable through this entire span and not lose money on making, you know, making my brand and paying a ton of money for advertising. I'm going to do it through a almost like a funnel, right? So once I am able to get into Walmart, then I will introduce my brand to the shelves, right? So that way, even if not many people are buying, you know, my product in terms of, you know, my actual scars apparel, um, then, you know, it's, it's in front of people's eyes and I would rather it sit on a shelf and people see it. Um, and, and someone's bound to buy it cause it, the designs are really cool. Um, and you know, if that costs me a hundred bucks a month for, you know, a stack of sweatshirts to sit there, a stack of pants to sit there, that's okay. When I'm profiting, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 a month, right? You know, it's, it's cost of doing business and actually starting that off. So my end goal is 
kind of to get phase two unlocked, introduce Scars Apparel, and within four years of you know doing the Amazon platform, introducing Scars Apparel, and being on the Walmart platform is to eventually sell the company off for a profit. Um, and you know, if you are doing the type of sales that we're talking about here, you know, we could really start talking numbers of the millions of dollars of you know someone coming and actually buying me out. So um, you know, of course, that's a that's a huge dream there. Is it possible? 100% yes. Is it going to take a lot of time, effort, and work? Yes. Are we here for it? Yes. So at the end of the day, I'm really excited about this investment and I'm excited to continue to update you guys on how it's going. Um, the next topic we have here is real estate news. So um, being a real estate agent for almost, I guess we're going to be going on seven years this October, is there a market crash inbound? I unfortunately will have to say, in my professional opinion, yes, 100% yes. And I, I'm going to just briefly talk about this because I probably should make another whole podcast just for this. But with that being said, there's going to be a crash coming and it's going to have a domino effect on the entire market. And in my opinion, if you are in a position to do some sort of you know cash out refinance now might be the time to really look into doing that um i'm not you know by any means giving you financial advice i'm saying that might be something you look into at least because home values skyrocketed you know overnight but this market has been you know pumped up with a fake rally fake stimulus money and interest rates are on the rise. Our supply chains are absolutely demolished. DR Horton, one of the nation's, the uh, United States' biggest home builders, just announced that they're not making uh, two-story floor plans at all anymore because there's no lumber. And lumber's just too expensive. It's going to get rough out there, and there's going to be, it, it's a ticking time bomb. It really is. So market outlook and, and what you should be doing. Um, right now, I will say what I did is for my stock account, I did start taking back. I started selling off a lot of my stocks, converting into cash and holding cash and waiting out this kind of ride and getting, if I did want to you know, be in the market, I'm going defensive. I'm getting into utility stocks. I'm looking there. It's going to be slow gains, but at least you'll have something to kind of keep up with inflation. So with that being said, there is most likely a crash coming, but it's needed. This reset is needed. We're at all-time highs in everything. The supply chain is hurting. The interest rates are almost at 6% right now. I mean, literally six months ago, you could go get a loan for like 1.9 to 1.99, 2%, maybe three, three and a half. You know, they're almost doubled in the, in the last six months. So that is you know, the feds telling you, hey, listen, something is happening. So with that being said, guys, I am running out of time. But thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode. Please, 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 if you guys have any questions whatsoever, you know, shoot me an email. Um, I would love to hear any questions or hear from you guys. It's been a great honor to kind of be back and, you know, doing these podcasts again. So thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. And I appreciate it. And I will see you on the next one.